0: All right, um, yeah, as Marshall said, we had a boy on Christmas Eve, so, um, and I haven't slept much since. So, uh, if, I, if I doze off, just, I don't know, somebody come up here and keep reading. Um, but I'm thankful to get to be with y'all tonight. Um, I'm, we're going to look at Psalm 126, so if you have your Bibles or want uh, I to, I don't know if it's in the program or not, but... Um, we're going to look at Psalm 126. So let me, let me read the passage, and then um, we'll pray, and then get after it. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams from the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. The word of the Lord. Lord, um, I do pray that your word. Would do uh, the very thing that you've sent it to do tonight in each and every one of our hearts and our minds and our lives. God, I pray particularly uh, for those who are discouraged, who are um, faint hearted. Lord, would you give them great courage tonight? Would you uh, lift their spirits for everyone in here that is hurting, uh, that the holidays were not so happy? Um, four, that it seems like there's not much to rejoice in. Father, would you lift them as only you can with the hope and of, of joy, God, of a day when we shall return to you the pleasure of our Father in heaven, carrying the finished work of Christ, um, and we shall be abundantly joyful. Father, for those of us that are coming into this uh, tonight, and we are joyful, we, are, we have a reprieve from um, the hard realities of our world. Um, help us to learn how to mourn with those who mourn. Help us to rejoice, and that our rejoicing would be great cause for glory for you, Lord. Uh, Father, do this among us now. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So we've all, uh, or most of us, have had a favorite car at some point in our lives. Um, I had, mine was a white 99 Honda Civic. Uh, I had a, uh, a spoiler on the back. Uh, well, it was a bike rack, but I, I called it my spoiler. Uh, and I uh, I drove that thing. I mean, I burned the wheels, uh, you know, the roads up with that thing. I put 130,000 miles on it uh, uh, over the, the, its life with me. and. Um, I had countless conversations uh, going from point A to point B. I can remember uh, so many really important conversations in my life were in that car. And one of the uh, the distinct memories I have is there was a Tom Petty album that that seemed to always like live in my CD player. And every time I would be going somewhere, somehow that, that album would play. And it never failed, no matter what kind of person was in my car, no matter their demographic or whatever, they'd always be like, man, I love this song. And it became, it became like a game I got to play with myself. It's like when I was waiting for it, waiting for it, when are they gonna say it? And, um, and it really, it, it, it always happened. I, I loved playing that game. And as I thought about the joy that I've experienced that's experienced in that car, um, it reminded me uh, in, the, in the game I play with Tom, Tom Petty, um, how we all long for joy. Um, that too is universal. Life is hard. Um, or as Tom Petty says, it can, it can break you down, it can break your heart, steal your crown. Um, we long for joy, but oftentimes our experience in life is anything but joyous. Um, the experience of weeping seems to be more prevalent than the shouts of joy. Um, we ask ourselves, what will this pain that I'm going through ever amount to? Um, but the promise in Psalm 126 is that God has done great things for us in Christ Jesus. He has accomplished the decisive blow against our weeping and lack of joy. He promises to restore us the joy that we so long for. He promises to fill our mouths with laughter and our tongues with shouts of joy. And that our return from the labors of this life will be carrying the finished work of Christ in our hands like a bundle of wheat. Um, We'll see tonight that because God has done great things for us, We can reap the patient reward of joy. We've got three points. First is the vision of joy. Verses 1 to 2, we all desire to experience joy. We all have a that That's the vision of what we hope in our life. Um, Second is the prayer of joy. Um, That desire for joy drives us to pray um, for joy. And thirdly, the experience of joy. The prayer for joy leads to the experience uh, of joy. So first, the vision. Uh, verse 1 and 2, when the Lord <clears throat> restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Blaise Pascal is a 17th century mathematician, uh, physicist, and he was a religious philosopher too. And he said this, he said, all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause for some going to war and for others avoiding it is the same desire in both, attended with very different views. They will never uh, take the least step but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man. Um, in this passage, we get a firsthand experience of happiness. It's as if David is, um, is daydreaming about a time in his life when he experienced uh, it to the full. He says, "When the Lord restored fortunes, the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream." And these fortunes aren't just monetary, as we might think, but they're um, they they are like a released captive who has been, ret- or, or someone who has returned from uh, a battle, and he gets to come back to the to the place that he loves. Um, it's like a soldier who dreams of being back home, the sights, the smells uh, of what life used to be. But, he's, but it's, not, it's not there right now. He longs for the days when he was the most happy. And it made me think, when I thought about that, it made me think about the movie Gladiator. If you've ever seen that movie, it's one of my favorites. And um, the character Maximus has a moment with the king, who's a, kind of the dying uh, king, the, the Roman emperor, when he, he is asked to tell him about his home. And, and Maximus says, My home is in the hills of Tahilo, a very simple place pink stones that warm in the, the sun, a kitchen garden that smells of herbs in the day, jasmine in the evening. Through the gate is a giant poplar, figs, apples, pears, and soils. Marcus Black, black like my wife's hair. Grapes on the south slope, olives in the north. Wild ponies play near my house. My, my, we tease my son, he wants to be one. And then Marcus says to him, do you remember the last time you were home? And he quickly replies, Two years, 264 days, in this morning. Marcus replies, I envy you, Maximus. That's a good home worth fighting for. The psalmist goes on uh, in, in, to describe the vision as filling his mouth with laughter and his tongue with shouts of joy. In Job, we get a very similar um, depiction in chapter 8. It says if you, if you will seek God and, and plead with the Almighty for mercy, if you, you are pure and upright, surely then he will rouse himself for you and restore your rightful habitation. And, and, and though your beginning was small, your latter days will be very great. Behold, God will not reject a blameless man or take the hand of evildoers. He will yet fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouting. Those who hate you will be clothed with shame and the tent of the wicked will be no more. Um, everyone who, ex- who experiences the trials that, th- that life brings will also experience a longing to be back in a time when those trials weren't present when their life was overflowing with joy when, when their life was filled with spontaneous joy that expresses itself in pure delight And Tom Petty's song Running Down a Dream he expresses uh, Scott actually might really like this sermon Scott, it's all about Tom Petty <laughs> uh, Run, running down a dream, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> uh, he says, he said it was running. It was always cold, no sunshine. Yeah, running down a dream that never could come to me. Working on a mystery, going wherever it leads. Running down a dream. It sounds just like that when you listen to it. It's too like <laughs> the, monotonous. Uh, so there, there is a deep uh, longing in all of us for a time when we will be set free from the icy cold experience of pain. When the sun will shine on us and we will exclaim, the Lord has done great things for me. The thing that strikes me about this passage is, is how honest it is here in these first few verses. They don't stuff down the desire to experience joy. There's a tendency, I think, to, to downplay the desire we all have to experience joy. We think that it's wrong to long for that, for that joy. We think that our job as Christians is just to be kind of filled with happiness all the time uh, in some superficial way. Uh, but that's never what is promised in the Christian life. Um, we aren't promised to never go through heartache. Um, we aren't promised that the Christian life will be easy. Um, and we aren't encouraged to stuff down our desire for joy. We're encouraged to pray towards that end. Uh, we're encouraged to run down that dream. We're encouraged to reflect on the great things that the Lord has done for us. And I think, and as I thought about this I thought about how hard of a time I have for ask asking for prayer every week in neighborhood group uh, they we do prayer requests and it's so awkward uh, for me I don't know about you uh, but for me I get really awkward during that Um, oftentimes I compare myself with what the last person just said and I think well is what I'm got to say like harder than what they just she just said because if it's not I I don't know I can't ask for that Um, I think about asking, like right now. I just praying, praying, pleading that the Lord, my child, would sleep through the night. You know, and uh, and that's a funny prayer, especially when I know people who have dealt with hard stuff, with miscarriages, and just have, have a hard life when it comes to that. And so, for me to ask for prayer uh, for my baby to sleep through the night, I feel awkward about that. Um, I think about how comfortable it is for me to ask for you to pray for my marriage. Um, when I know so many people who have, have, been, have dealt with, with issues with singleness, and having years of loneliness. and um, It's hard. It's vulnerable. And I think one of the most humble and courageous things we can do is to ask our brothers and sisters to, to pray for us. Um, to acknowledge that we need the community of faith to help us run the race that Christ has marked out for us. Um, would, grant, would God grant us the courage to acknowledge our desires before Him and before each other? Would He give us eyes to see the truth that He has done great things for us? Secondly, the, the prayer of joy. Um, verse 3, the Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the stream, streams of the, of the Negev. Uh, it's interesting that David couples these two verses side by side. In verse three, he says that the Lord has done great things for us; we are glad. This seems to suggest that we have already have what we need in the track record of what God has already done. It roots our current experience in the promise of God. He echoes what he already said in Psalm seventy-one: "You, have, you who have done great things, O God, who is like you? My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. My soul also." Which you have redeemed, and my tongue will talk of your righteousness, help all the day long. Uh, This is the battle cry for the Christian life. The Lord has done great things for us. That is the source of our joy. Uh, But there's one thing that David didn't know when he was writing this psalm that we get to experience, and that's the cross. We read this battle cry on this side of the cross God has dealt the final blow against the powers of sin and death, Jesus has secured our inheritance. For eternity, he has paid the debt of sin, so that no matter what narrative life seems to be showing us right now, you can know that the truth is that it is finished. But then we get to verse 4 Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams of the Negev. Wait a second, I thought that um, we would already have that restoration from the Lord. Why are we praying for restoration if we already have it? It's because we, st- we are still longing for the day when we will have it in its fullest measure. Christians through the ages have called this the already and the not yet, or the already and more to come. Um, the final blow has been dealt. Sin has been paid for by the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But we, st- we still live in a fallen world. Christ has come for the first time to pay our debt, but He's coming again to get His people back. So these verses aren't a contradiction. Verse 4 Verse 3 calls us to remember all that the Lord has done. And verse 4 calls us to pray for His return. Um, and verse 4 describes a prayer for Him to come quickly. The Negev was a, a, a place uh, in southern Israel that it gets less than 50 millimeters of rain a year. So when a sudden downpour comes, it can really change the landscape fast. Flowers can pop up um, almost instantly. And that illustrates perfectly the desperate need their desperate prayer, we find ourselves asking God for: bring this quickly, God. Pour out Your presence on this situation quickly. Restore the fortunes, our fortunes, O oh Lord, quickly, like streams of the Negeb. Isn't that often how we pray, God? Take this pain away as quickly as You possibly can. In uh, another Tom Petty song, it's called the, Wait, "The Waiting." He says, "The waiting is the hardest part." Every day, you, you see one more card, you take it on faith, you take it to the heart. The waiting is the hardest part. If we're honest, wouldn't we say that waiting on God is the hardest part? doesn't it seem like we oftentimes are waiting on Him to rain down on our lives. This should give us great encouragement. We, like David, know the battle cry. We know that, he, that and this moves us to pray it back to God. Just because we know the truth doesn't mean we aren't moved to prayer it's knowing the truth that frees us up to pray. And we desire for Him to come quickly. There's nothing wrong with praying for the swift restoration of the Lord. Why would we expect God not to come quickly when we desperately need Him? Um, I thought about my, my daughter Juliet just fell down the steps today. And she you know, squalled like, as soon as she got down to the bottom of the steps. And I came as quickly as possible. like I dropped what I was doing and went right to it. And I thought, that's how God is with us. Like Why would we not want Him to come quickly? Uh, why would we be, we'd be afraid to ask for him to, to hear our prayer quickly? Um, he, he, he hears us and he cares about us. Um, and He will answer our prayers. And lastly, the experience of joy. Verse 5 and 6. Um, Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. We all, without exception, experience sadness. Um, As universal as the longings are for joy, so universal is the experience of sadness. These verses provide the hope behind the tears. The harvest of sadness is the shouts of joy. Verses 1 to 2, we got the desire for joy. Verses 3 to 4, we got the response to that desire. And then now in 5 to 6, we get the experience. The good news of the gospel is that the salty tears that run down our faces when life beats us down become the seeds for joy. They become the very thing that God uses to remind us of His faithfulness. They serve as the mechanism that He uses to show His mercy. He doesn't promise we won't cry. He doesn't promise that we'll be sheltered from heartache. He does promise, though, that those tears will be deposits of joy. That's, the, that's what happens when we plant a seed. We hope that one day it will produce the desired plant. Uh, my wife Emily and I, a couple years ago, we planted a garden in our backyard, and um, we hoped that it would return uh, for us beautiful crops like kale, sweet potatoes, green beans, cucumbers. The problem was that soon after we planted it, we left uh, for a mission trip, came back five weeks later, and uh, nothing was returned. You know, it was really bad. Um, <laughs> some of the seeds we buried them too deep so they never sprang to the surface Uh, weeds were everywhere and then a couple kale plants kind of managed to sprout up and then they got eaten by bugs really quickly Um, and so it was obvious that our hope for a luscious garden really wasn't what we experienced Uh, it was pretty much in vain but God's promises aren't like our garden Um, they're never in vain they're always true and always accomplish what he says they will And this passage affords us a promise to claim about God's economy. We will come home with shouts of joy, bringing the sheaves of victory. The heartache we experience in this life is the seed that is planted. And one day the harvest will come. And on that day, we will will be handed the bundle of Christ's righteousness. We will walk into the eternal pleasure of the Father, carrying the finished work of Christ uh, as our reward. That hope has got to affect our today. If we are here, if you're, if you're here and you feel beat down by life, you can know two things. Uh, the first is that it's okay to cry. I think we oftentimes put a facade like everything is okay. Um, if someone asks us how we're doing, we're just like, yeah, we're good. Um, but the, and I think we think that if we appear to be weak, uh, there must be something wrong with the gospel that we proclaim. But that just simply isn't true. We are humans in a broken world. Sure, we have the hope of eternal life, but that doesn't mean we aren't supposed to show emotion or that life is supposed to be, isn't supposed to be hard. Secondly, we will experience the patient reward of joy eternally. Luke 6.21 says, Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. St. Augustine said, The pain and the sighing will pass away. Sadness passes at the end, and gladness comes without end. I wonder if God doesn't do more through answering prayers slowly than when he answers them quickly. Developing patience is never fun, but in the end, it's deeply and durably satisfying. So I didn't mention at the beginning here what song um, seemed to be the most universal uh, that I that. Had the, the most universal appeal with people from Tom Petty um, and so it was I won't back down which is appropriate for a lot of your New Year's resolutions uh, you've been telling yourself this uh, all week um, I won't back down but he says I uh, that was the only joke I had written in here and I knew it was gonna flop I knew <laughs> that I knew because I, I don't ever do right jokes like I ha- they have to just happen And I knew, as soon as I wrote down, I thought, it's going to be crickets. And thank you. Thanks for affirming that. I will know that for next time. Uh, I won't back down. He says, I won't back down. Hey, baby, there ain't no easy way out. I won't back down. Hey, I will stand my ground, and I won't back down. Well, I know what's right. I got just one life. In this world, that keeps pushing me around, but I'll stand my ground. I think the reason so many folks love that song is because it gets at the human experience. If we've been here long enough, we've all experienced the heartache and discouragement. Some of us more than others, but I don't think anyone is immune to it. We all long for joy. We employ whatever means necessary to get glimpses of it or to shorten the duration of our suffering. We feel like the world keeps pushing us around but we resolve to stand our ground and won't back down. That's what Psalm 126 is about. God has done great things for us in Christ Jesus. His work on the cross is finished, but we experience the pains of living in a broken world. And because Jesus didn't stay in the grave, we can know with certainty that this life is the hardest thing that you will ever have to experience. We can know that God will use the tears of this life to produce the hope of laughter. The hope of joy. So what are we to do with this truth? How can this hope, this promise, affect our life? I think three ways. First is we can have the freedom to feel. We don't, we don't need to approach life as a stoic. We can experience raw emotion that comes from living in a fallen world. We can experience deep sadness for the injustices of our world We can experience the tears that flow from the loss of a loved one. We can mourn with those who mourn, even when we ourselves are are experiencing a moment of reprieve. We can feel frustrated by how prone we are to wander away from the truth of the gospel. Secondly, we can know that more often than not, God wants us to depend on Him for the long haul. He doesn't want us to to depend on Him for the first hour of our day when we get up to read our Bibles before going to work. He doesn't want us to only pray when things are really hard. Um, He wants us to be dependent on Him moment by moment the whole time we're here on earth. He wants us to be needy of Him and to know that the patient reward of that neediness is joy. It's true and lasting. And lastly, we know that the full expression of joy is in the face of a world that keeps pushing us around. When we are resolved that He has done great things for us, we truly can stand our ground. Not because we can do it in and of ourselves, but because we have a God who has done great things for us. And He supplies the the determination not to back down. He will turn our tears into laughter. He will replace our pain with pleasure. And He will give us the joy that we've so longed for. Let me pray. Lord, thank You so much for this passage. I do pray that it would encourage us God that it would it would give us hope Father that that we can feel we have the freedom to to cry to to feel emotion to feel sadness um, knowing that you will one day replace that with joy with laughter that those those tears are seeds for hope um, God, give us the strength to continue in a world that keeps pushing us around. Help us to know that you are God and you've got, you go before us each and every day. I do pray for everyone in here that feels um, downtrodden. I pray that you'd lift their spirits tonight and give them great hope. for pray this in Christ's name. Amen.